We're going to start celebrating the Grand Slam 90th anniversary for one Bobby Jones, and Sid Matthew joins us. Sid, welcome into the golf show. Hey, Sid. Y'all are doing good today. Everybody happy? Yes, sir. Yes, we are. And, you know, we were we are, we are learned this morning because we're going through some of your, the stuff that you've written. I've never heard the story about Bobby Jones's golf clubs. Who stole them? Well, it turned out that they were uh, a couple of uh, young guys who just thought that they were going to get away with a prank. And little did they know that Bob Jones was playing cards with the chief of uh, police and the head of the FBI <laughs> in New York City. So they put the word out, you better get those clubs back or we're going to crack down on you. And they turned up in a pawn shop the next day. No, really? So Bob figured, uh, you know, I better do something about this to prevent it from happening again. So he had old Tom Stewart of St. Andrews copy his clubs. He made it, he had an extra set. And then when he went to work for Spalding in 1932, uh, he allowed you to register all of your specs with Spalding so that if your clubs were broken or stolen, you could have them easily replaced. Once again, the man, the, thing. the man was ahead of his time. Way ahead of his time. <laughs> it, yeah. It, it, he, he also was the, uh, you know, he, he had a degree in mechanical engineering in, in uh, 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 Georgia Tech. Right. And he was the one who uh, conceived the notion of situating the sweet spot in the center of gravity throughout the set. That had not been done before because all of the clubs were made individually by blacksmiths and and club makers, and the sweet spot was all over the face of the club mm -hmm. and not uniform throughout the set. But Jones uh, created that notion uh, and built that into the Spalding clubs. But but it's also said I, what I took from that was that uh, they were as in today's language frequency matched almost perfectly, um, it, which is what they all do now, right? Yeah, and another thing he did was uh, pretty interesting. The the one and two were the same length, uh, three four same length, five six same length. You know, uh, you know, Bryson is doing that now with his clubs. You know, making them all the same length. He's not but, Bobby Jones. Uh, yeah, Jones <laughs> Jones did that way back in the thirties. Right. But, I, you know, the the funny thing is we always hear about the Calamity Jane putter, and that's the putter that was in the bag when it was stolen, right. too. So, I mean, that just adds more mystique to Bobby Jones and the clubs. Well, it does. And, and uh, another uh, odd fact, uh, November 22, 1925, uh, Eastlake Clubhouse burned down. Right. And, of course, his clubs were in the, in the uh, club storage. All except Calamity Jane. Wow. Had to have been under his bed. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the 90th anniversary of the Grand Slam, of course, it's a it's a different Grand Slam than we know of today that we talk about. You know, we had Tiger come closest with the Tiger Slam of winning the four majors all at once, or he, he actually owned all four of them at once, but not necessarily in the same year. I mean, just the, the fact that this is a feat that will never be touched. Yeah, you know, Bob thought that maybe there would be an amateur that would come along and uh, try to match it. Uh, but uh, as the purses grew, uh, you know, to multi-millions, it doesn't make sense for any of them to uh, remain an amateur. Right. Uh, Nicholas came to Bob and said, uh, you know, what should I do? What's your advice? And Bob said, "There's Jack, there's too much money out there. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't afford not to compete on the highest level. 
And if you remain an amateur, you won't be qualified to play against the best in the world and become, you know, the greatest player of our time, at least. Yeah, I mean, and and the other little known fact is that he at one point held uh, about thirty course records around the world, and that's uh, something that you don't hear about a lot. But that's epic. Yeah. Well, and and the the remarkable thing about that is, it was the first time he ever laid eyes on the golf course. Right. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it was just it was just, uh, startling. You know, he he, he also uh, rebroke his records on several golf courses, uh, you know, two or three times in a row. Uh, I think he, I think he, uh, shot, uh, 64, five, six on Augusta national. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. In reverse, in reverse order, of course. Said, you know, you mentioned his uh, degree at Georgia tech, but a lot of people, I don't think know that he went to Harvard and after one year passed the bar exam. So <laughs> this guy was, this guy was crazy. Yeah. I mean, everything yeah, he actually, did was so actually good. It was Emory, actually, it was Emory, Emory Law. Okay. You're right about that. Right. It was Emory. Okay. He did get a, a degree in English literature from Harvard in 24. Unbelievable. Uh, but, you know, he was just taking the bar exam for practice, <laughs> and to his amazement, he passed it. And uh, at that time, you didn't have to graduate from law school to be uh, inducted in the bar. Right. So he joined his father's law firm and, you know, became the rainmaker of that law firm. And Sid, uh, you know, I, I'm an Atlanta native, and, I, you know, I, I know a pretty good bit about Bobby Jones. I worked at Peachtree for, as a kid, caddying and, and doing the bag room and all that kind of stuff. But a oh, lot there of pe- you go. A lot of people don't know um, that he didn't play a whole lot of golf compared to the guys today who play every single day or practice five or six hours a day. He didn't do that. Yeah, he he had uh, a lot of other activities that were uh, uh, dragging him away. You know, he did the first of all, he did the Warner Brother movies. Yeah, uh, and then he wrote five books. Uh, you know, he designed the world's wonder inland golf course, Augusta National. Started the Masters and uh, captained the uh, 1958 World Amateur Team Championship. So, uh, and of course, he he also. Uh, sired uh, three kids. He's got uh, what uh, seven grandkids left. So uh, you know he was he, he uh, led a pretty full life. Yeah, I mean uh, March twenty ninth, nineteen thirty six, sixty four at Augusta National course record. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, just how hard is it to shoot sixty four now at Augusta National? Right. I mean, uh, you know, even under regular conditions, not just tournament conditions. Right. Well, and he the clubs that he was using, uh, you know, weren't the stuff that we're hitting today. Yeah, no, no, you know, no. they, those those clubs uh, just you, you could uh, buy them uh, from antique collectors, and you ought to go out and try them. They're they're a hoot. Sid, you know, you you mentioned the Warner Brothers films, and, and the one that that just baffles me, and I still try to see it as often as I can. And if put if, if if the listeners out there try to find the the um, the episode where he is stepping on a ball in the bunker. He's burying the ball, and he's he's hitting sand wedges like ten of them. If you recall this, within two feet of the hole, buried. Yeah, yeah. It was just unbelievable what he was doing with that. Well, and he he took a brassy. He was two hundred uh, yards away from the hole, and you could throw a blanket over the yeah. dispersion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just pretty, pretty, pretty astonishing, and 
And, of course, as uh, Paul Runyon said, and he'd do it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he made caddy but, but, easy. Uh, I, I was going to say uh, that, that uh, you know, we've, we've seen some prodigies like him uh, very rarely, but he never took a golf lesson in his life. You know, he saw Stuart Maiden and was intrigued by the physics of his swing, and he would run home and practice it to such an extent that when people saw him on a, on another golf course, they'd say, oh, I see Stuart Maiden's here, and they'd say, oh, no, that's little Bob Jones. Wow. <laughs> it, it, pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. Again, we're talking uh, Bobby Jones' Grand Slam 90th anniversary with Sid Matthew. And, Sid, you know, what are what are some of the other um, you know facts and fun things that you found out as you as you go through these stories? Well, you know the one of the uh, amazing things is uh, how uh, popular Bob was. You know he he grew up uh, right during the depression, right? And you know the economy was flatter and a flitter. And America needed a hero that they could vicariously live through because their circumstances were so dire. And, of course, along came uh, Lindbergh, who flew the Atlantic, you know, which was fantastic. Admiral Byrd, you know, uh, joined the two poles. He went to both of the poles. And, of course, they got uh, ticker tape parades down Broadway. Uh, But Bob... In 26, conceived uh, an exit strategy that uh, is still 90 years old, and that was that uh, if he won all of the major championships um, in the world on both sides of the pond, uh, you know, he could never duplicate it, and he doubted anybody else could, and so far he's right. That's right, yeah. <laughs> well, that just proves how smart he really was. Yeah, but but imagine... Uh, you know, when he when he first played in Great Britain in 21, uh, he had a terrible third terrible. round it was, yeah. and uh, tore up his card and withdrew. <laughs> he did not storm off the course like some people say. He actually calmly asked his caddy for his driver. Uh, he, he had torn up his scorecard and withdrew. He drove off 12, finished. And they let him play the next day, even though he had uh, withdrawn. He shot even par, <laughs> which would have been second low amateur to Roger Weatherit had he not withdrawn. And, of course, the British press, you know, roundly criticized him, sure. saying, well, Master Bobby Jones is a boy and a rather ordinary boy after all. Uh-huh. And, uh, and instead of putting his tail between his legs, he came back in 26, won the Open, successfully defended in 27, and then, of course, won the Grand Slam in 30. So uh, they gave him citizenship in, in uh, 1958, second only to Benjamin Franklin in 1759. Wow. So imagine that. He, he, you know, only two Americans uh, vested with uh, uh, citizenship, and he was one of them. Wow. Absolutely amazing. Well, Sid, we really appreciate you taking some time and and sharing some stories with us. Uh, Maybe we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, I'd like to uh, uh, mention uh, my my dear friend, Sir Sean Connery, who uh, narrated my television show, Life and Times of Bobby Jones, just passed on. And uh, Sean and I were uh, good friends and 
uh, he taught me a lot. Uh, we played a lot of golf in America and Great Britain together, and uh, uh, sad passing, but, uh, you know, uh, may he rest in peace and may his memory be a blessing. Awesome. Thank you for that, Thank Sid. you. Thank you very much. Have a good one, Sid. Okay, you too. Everybody, play golf. Yes. Thanks a lot.